guys doing good tonight? I love that wife of mine. I've been with her a long time. She's been a great blessing from the Lord. The Bible says that he who finds a wife finds a good thing. And I definitely found a really good thing. The other good thing I found was Jesus. You know, that song, I have decided, you know, when I hear that, you know me, the Jesus movement, and we'd be thousands of us kind of holding hands and singing, we've decided to follow Jesus. But guys, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Amen. Well, tonight we're going to continue through Malachi. Not too many chapters in this book, small. We're getting close to the end and kind of recap a little bit. In chapter one, God spoke to Israel about his deep love for them. And unfortunately, what Israel did is they kind of doubted his love. Kind of something I think we do from time to time. Things get going on in our life, and sometimes we just think, well, I don't think God just really loves me anymore. But he does. In chapter 2, he warned and rebuked the leaders of Israel, the priests, for the things that they were doing. They weren't doing the right things. And in chapter 3, in the first few verses there, and I'm going to take off in uh, verse 6. He prophesied about two messengers that were to come. And uh, the messengers he was talking about there was John the Baptist, the last of the great Old Testament prophets that came and was the harbinger, was the forerunner for Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who would bring cleansing. And that's what he came for. Just as my wife said, as he was wooing Israel back, he was wooing Israel back. The whole book of Malachi is really God calling Israel back to himself to turn back to him. And from time to time as Christians, you know, we need to do that. We truly do. This week, we're going to see God again calling Israel back to himself, turning back and to, to repent. Why? The reason why is because Israel had become complacent in their faith with God, in their relationship with God. How did that happen? I'll tell you how it happened. They began to neglect their relationship with the Lord, and that can happen to you and I. We neglect. Listen, he's our master. He's a person. And to have any kind of relationship with anybody, you have to spend time with them, and you have to, you know what I mean? You have to give, and there needs to be taking from them. That's what had happened to them. And then God accuses them, and we'll see tonight that his people were robbing him. Robbing him, you say, what? That's amazing, isn't it? How does somebody do that? Well, we're going to find out that. And then we're going to look at two groups, and it's really interesting that my wife talked about the unfaithfulness of Israel because we're going to look at God speaking to the unfaithful and then speaking to the faithful people and looking at their attitudes and how they viewed God and how God viewed them. But let's stand as we honor God's word. We're going to read a few verses here or just follow me as I do it. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Malachi chapter 3. I'm going to read through 6 and 7. And this is a call to repentance that he is, calling Israel back to himself. I am the Lord, I do not change. That is why you're, dis- excuse me, that is why you descendants of Jacob are not already destroyed. Ever since the days of your ancestors, You have scorned my decrees and failed to obey them. Now return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. 
And then he, they say, but you ask, how can, or he's asked, how, but how can we return when we have never gone away? Let's pray. God, again, we come before you and we come as hungry people to hear your word tonight. I pray that your people, Lord, that their hearts and my heart would be very fertile to receive your word tonight. Give us revelation, Lord. Give us understanding. Give us clarity. Convict us if we need conviction, Lord. We thank you so much that you love us, Lord, and you always want us to come closer and closer to you. It's in your name that we pray. And everyone said, amen. I want you all to sit down. A call to return to the Lord. God starts this section off by saying he doesn't change. You notice that? I don't change. Hebrews 13.8 says this about Jesus Christ, that he is the same what? Yesterday, today, and forever. He too never changes. And the thing is, guys, it's comforting to know that something doesn't change, isn't it? Everything's changing. This world that we're in, wow, it's changed. I'm an old guy now, and I'm telling you, it's not the world I grew up in in the 50s. It's frightening, really is. I believe God is ready to send his son back at any day, in any moment. He truly is. But it's comforting to know that you and I can build our life on something or someone that doesn't change. We're to build our what? Lives on the, on the rock. That rock never, ever, ever, ever changes. That rock hasn't changed in the 40 plus years that I've followed that rock and I've had my life on that rock. It never will. It allows me to face the storms of life like what my wife was talking about. It's what it does. And we've had some storms in our life from time to time. What did they do? They scorned his laws. They didn't see the importance of following his word. They didn't see that. They wanted to live by their own rules. A lot of people want to live by their own rules. That doesn't get you too far. They had failed to obey him, to follow him. They chose to, to, to live their own lives, to kind of just push God out of the way. Although he was pressing in constantly, and that's what God does, is as we move away from God, he's always there pressing in. Always there, trying to draw us back, draw us back. God calls them to turn again to him, to return. What does that take? You know what that takes? It takes repentance. Repentance. You know what repentance is? It's, it's having a radical change of thinking and having a radical change of behavior. That's what repentance is. Don't say you're a Christian and you, and you live, I was going to say, like hell. I guess you can because you probably aren't. There needs to be a change. God's calling Israel who had, who had drifted away from God saying, I want you back because as my wife was sharing, I, I love you so much and I want to call you back as a, as a husband to his wife. God gives so much grace and so much mercy. I, I am overwhelmed sometimes at how much grace and how much mercy God gives to us. He is so patient and so understanding with us. Isn't he, guys? He really is. He loves us like children, dearly like children. He truly does. 
And he's so patient and so understanding. He, he, he ought to just wipe us out from time to time. He did that in the Old Testament to some of them. Opened up the ground and swallowed a whole bunch of them. His patience came to an end, and that was it. But thank God he is so patient and so understanding. See, because forgiveness is always just a prayer way. That's all it is. It's just a prayer way. Israel is amazingly didn't think that they had moved away from God. That's the amazing thing about it. Did, did you pick up on that? They didn't think they had, they had moved from God. And God says, you're not where you were a year ago or five years ago or 10 years ago. It's easy to kind of slip away from the Lord. It truly is. When I, when I was studying this and saw that they were so far away, I said, Lord, man, uh, we're so far away from God. Our world is so far from God. And what I'm praying and what I want you guys to keep praying for, we need another great revival, guys. Don't we? We do. I mean, we need a great outpouring of the Holy Spirit in such a mighty way. And there are people that are prophesying that we're going to see that again. And I believe it. I truly, truly do. Well, let's look on how a person can cheat God. Verse 8, should people cheat God, yet you have cheated me. But you say, what do you mean, when did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of your tithes and of your offerings. How many Christians have ever thought, maybe you, have you ever thought, boy, have you cheated God? Probably not. The Hebrew word that's used there literally means to rob. Robbing God of something that is his. The, the thesaurus says this, to steal, to take, to deprive. You see what those words give you? They give you a picture, don't they? They give you a great picture of what's happening there. Is that God is being deprived of something that is his. And again, we're talking about money. I talked about money, what, two and a half weeks ago. Let me ask you this question. Has any of you ever been robbed? Raise your hands. Yeah, there's a few of you. I've been robbed twice. I was robbed of a surfboard once, and my wife and I, I didn't like that very much at all. Guy went to jail, too. Really went to jail. Okay? And then the other time is when we were selling our house. We were in Culver City and moving up here in Ventura in 1985. The house was tinted. Somebody went in there and stole all of our stuff. I asked somebody before, they said, well, sometimes we find them underneath some other building dead. I said, did you find them? No. <laughs> but you know what I felt? I felt violated, you know? Haven't you? If you've been robbed, you feel violated. You really do. And I was thinking, well, gosh, does God ever feel violated? I, I, I don't know. I don't know if God can feel violated that way. But how does a believer cheat God? It says there, in that latter part of verse 8, in the area of their finances. That's how we cheat God. That's how we rob him. Israel was holding back their tithes and their offerings. You know what they would do? They would have an annual tithe that they would give to the temple every year. You know what that was used for? It was used for the Levites who were the leaders of Israel and the priests of Israel. That's how they got paid. So what had happened is they hadn't been giving that, and so God is rebuking his people and trying to draw them back and say, you need to start giving. Because what had happened to those leaders, 
is they had to go out and get a job. That's not what they were supposed to be doing. They weren't able to fulfill their God responsibilities, the things that the Levites were called to do. You know, the Levites didn't get any part of the land when they went into that, that promised land. You know what the Lord said? I'll be your inheritance. I'll take care of you. Israel wasn't doing that. They were holding back their tithes and their offering. You see, robbery or cheating someone requires taking something that isn't yours or the person stealing it. It's taking somebody else's property or things. And listen, guys, the truth is everything you have and I have, it all belongs to God. Remember we talked about stewardship? It's all God's. Listen to this. I didn't use this verse a couple weeks ago, but look at this. Psalm 24, 1 says, The earth is the Lord's, and all that contains the world, and what? And those who dwell in it. All of it. It's all God's. It's all God's. Well, let's look at verse 9 through 12 and get into this a little bit more here. Verse 9, he says this. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me or robbing me. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of the heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to test, he says. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from the insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. Then look at 12. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of the heaven's armies. Wow. That's heavy. So what was happening to Israel, and this is what he said, the cost for them cheating and robbing God was that they were going to be cursed. God was cursing them. That's a heavy thing. I was thinking, what, what really is a curse? What is God trying to really say there? He's trying to say that you're going to be out of that position of blessing I want to give you. Because you, you, you're holding back what is mine. He says, now I'm going to hold back what I want to give you. He said that they were cursed. Remember how many times God says over and over again, if you do this, I'll do that. Those are conditional promises. You see, God's kingdom operates with different sets of principles and beliefs. This world doesn't operate the same way God's principle and his kingdoms operate. His kingdom operates completely different. He says, give and I'll bless you. The world says, take. Take all you can. God promises a great abundance. Did you see that in verse 10? In verse 10, he says that. Look what he says. Bring all the tithe in the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. And then he goes on, he says, if you do this, says the Lord of heavens, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. And he says, try it. Put me to test. Great abundance. Well, how does that great abundance happen? Well, you got to start tithing. That's what you got to start doing. That's what he says. He says, you start tithing, which isn't a popular thing. Even tonight as I speak, I know it's not a popular thing. A lot of New Testament Christian churches, they don't want to hear about that stuff. It's not popular, but I tell you what. 
It's important because you know what God says it does? He says, I open the windows of heaven when you start doing it. The windows from heaven open up. I don't know if we, there you go. Look at that. Heaven's opening up. I had some other corny ones with windows, but I thought they were kind of too corny to put up there. Listen to what Philippians says, okay? And then I'm going to tell you the context of this verse. And so many of you know this verse, and so many of you quote this verse over and over and over again. But you don't know the context that it's written in. Philippians says, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You know what the context of that is? And I bet hardly any of you even know what the context is. It's in the context of the Philippian church giving money to Paul to support his ministry. That's the context. So what he says, if you're giving in support of me, and he notice he says, my God, the God I serve, he goes, my God's going to take care of you. He'll meet every one of your needs. Do you see that? That's the context of giving. We like kind of grab it from time to time and think, oh man, I can just say this and, and it's mine. No, it's talking about giving. You see, you must be willing to let go and, and start giving. That's what you have to do. The key is giving, and in this context, it's tithing. It's giving 10% to the Lord. And God will make sure you have everything you need. Everything you need. And did you notice what God said here? He said, and I like this, because when I was a new Christian, I, I kind of shared this, maybe I didn't a couple weeks ago. I didn't give money to God, and I was surely not going to give him 10%. But we had this one guy teaching. He said, look, this is the first time where God says, you test me. He says, you try it out. You see if it'll work. And I went, well, that sounds pretty good. God's telling me I can test him on this? I thought the Bible says I'm not supposed to test God anytime. But when it comes to this principle, God says, you know what? You're going to do it. And he'll prove that as you obey this principle... And this is a principle, guys. That's what it is. You know, sowing and reaping is a principle. A tithing is a principle. He says, I'll prove that it works. I'll prove that there's benefit to you. You see, loosening up your grip and letting go is the key to God opening up the windows of heaven. It's great. After the service, I was talking to Brian over here. I was almost making you going to do the testimony on this. But he was sharing with me that you know, over this teaching that we've been doing, talking about money and all of that, and that whole series that we did, he says, you know, I got convicted that I needed to give because I, I don't give. And he said, I went to the generosity night, and we weren't here. Forgive us for not doing it. We're in Death Valley having fun. <laughs> it was fun until it got about 60-mile-an-hour winds on Sunday coming home. But Brian told me, he says, you know what? I went to that thing that night, and he said, I had like 30, 35 bucks in my pocket, and I had all these bills that I knew I needed to pay, and I didn't know where I was going to get the, the money to do. He says, you know what I did? I was, going, I was convicted. I said, I'm giving it all. He gave like 30, 35 bucks. You know what God did? God gave him the opportunity. This guy called him up to give him opportunity to make some money. You know how much he made? I think he made over $300. Tenfold, about tenfold on that. And then he told me tonight, he goes, that guy called me again. He wants me to give some more. And then he goes, I won 20 bucks last night. I didn't ask him how he won the 20 bucks. 
I don't want to know how he won the 20 bucks. But are you getting what I'm saying here, guys? That's the kind of stuff that happens when you start giving and you start tithing. He says in, in verse 11 there, and we don't have time to go through it again, that there's protected resources. So many Christians are being devoured. That's what he's talking about there. That he'll take care of the devourer as you begin to give to the Lord, as you begin to tithe, as you begin to just let go and start trusting God. He says, I'm going to take care of that. But you've got to honor the Lord with your finances. He wants to protect Christians from the devouring forces of this corrupted and this sinful world that you and I live in. It wants to rob you guys. The devil wants to what? Rob, kill, and destroy. And God says, you start putting this principle into your life. He says, I'll, I'll stop that. I'll stop that. And listen, God has the ability to do that. You guys remember my neighbor? How do you remember my neighbor? Okay. All right. I even called him Satan one time, but God convicted me. He said, don't do that. Especially my wife said, don't do that. Well, I'm going to tell you what happened. And this is God rebuking the devourer. Our whole lawsuit, it's totally over. The guy conceded last week. Amen. Give God the glory. He conceded last week and says, that's it. I'm done. It is your reasonment. And then I felt, you know what? I need to contact my title company because they're the ones that got us in the first place for writing the title wrong. And we'd spent $3,219.85 on lawyer fees to stop this guy from tearing all my plants out and everything. Contacted the, and, and I told my wife, I said, you know, I said, God told me it's going to be like this never happened. And she looks at me and goes, maybe we get our money back. I said, well, I'm right, I'm, I'm right now, I'm writing like an email asking the title company to give us money. We got our check today for 3,000 bucks. <laughs> See, that's God rebuking the devourer. And I'm gonna tell you something. There's some of you guys that are being so devoured, I feel this strongly. You guys are being devoured. You really are. And you've got to just start trusting God. You really do, guys. I, I'm encouraging you as an old grandpa here, saying, start doing it, man. I mean, Brian just said, man, I, I'm just doing it. And that's what God does. That's what God does when you start doing what he asks you to do. And a tither's life, it says it's gonna be, it, it, it's gonna be a blessing. People are gonna see it. The nations are gonna call Israel blessed. People know Israel is blessed. They are a blessed people. Well, let's read 13 through 15. We got to get through this stuff here. Uh, too much good stuff in here. 13, you have said terrible things, and now he's describing the unfaithful people. Terrible things about me, says the Lord. But you say, what do you mean? Wow, that's kind of heavy talking to God that way. What do you mean, Lord? What have you said against you? You have said, what's the use in serving God? What have we gained by obeying his commands or by trying to show the Lord of the heaven's armies that we are sorry for our sins? From now on, we will call the arrogant blessed. For those who do evil get rich and those who dare God to punish them suffer no harm. Wow. 
You know what the unfaithful do? They complain. They complain. That's what unfaithful Christians do from time to time. They complain. And maybe you found yourself in that kind of a position before where you're not quite so faithful to the Lord and you find yourself complaining just like these guys did. I mean, they complain that the evil get rich, that they dare God and no harm happens. Hey, and it bothers them. You know what I say to them? You gotta get over it. You gotta get over it. I used to tell my kids over and over again, life's not fair. They've grown up and, and they're... Slap it in my face from time to time. Say, Dad, you say life's not fair. I go, it's not. Unfortunately, the devil's the prince and power of the air. And he's robbing, killing, and destroying. Listen, you know it and I know it. Non-Christians can have a pretty good life, can't they? You better believe they can. It's unbelievable. Remember, it's only on this earth. We're going to heaven. They ain't going to be there, Okay. So that's a whole different story, isn't it? Yes. Truly is. Job talking to his friends, they're saying, oh, man, you did this, you did that. He, he basically said the same thing to his friends. He said, man, it seems like people that don't live for the Lord, man, they just live a great life. And, and Job said, I don't have the answers. I, I don't have the answers either a lot of times. I mean, do you notice their words and their attitude? They're just living for self. They say, what's the use in serving God? What have we gained by obeying God? Man, we show them that we're sorry. I mean, what's the big deal? Basically, what they're saying is, what's in it for me if I serve God? Here's questions for you real quick. We're going to do a little uh, share time, all right? What do we got, about two minutes or something like that? Here they are. Have you ever said or thought any of these things? Share with somebody at your table, all right? You got about two, three minutes. Have you ever said any of those things? And be honest now. All right, start to wrap her up. Listen, guys, our, our serving God 
or obeying him or his laws is never based on what we're going to get out of it. Okay? It's never to be that. Faithful followers of God do it because they're willing to do it. Willing to obey the master. And he is our master. He truly is. You know, when when you share your faith with somebody or somebody comes up to you and wants to know Jesus, sometimes they, want, they might even say that, well, what do I get out of it? And you know what I tell them? You get fire insurance, buddy. That's what you get. You, 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 you get eternal life. Isn't that what you get? A lot of times in the Jesus movement, we, we would make all of these great, you know, things to these people trying to lure them in and stuff and God had to rebuke me a few times and saying, quit doing that. Because you know what happens when you do that to a person? If you tell them too much that you're going to get this and this and this, what happens when they don't get it? They'll walk away. They'll walk away. Because it doesn't always work out exactly the way that you think it's going to work out. Well, let's look at the faithful here. And we'll close this thing up pretty quick here. Then those who feared the Lord, those are the faithful, spoke with each other. And the Lord listened to what they said. In his presence, a scroll of remembrance or a book of remembrance was written to record their names of those who feared him and always thought about the honor of his name. Then 17, excuse me. They will be my people, says the Lord of heaven's armies. On the day when I act in judgment, they will be my own special treasure. I will spare them as a father spares an obedient child. Then you will again see the difference between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who don't. Those who don't. Did you hear how different? Very, very different. Unfaithful or complaining, and these guys are just fearing the Lord. Just fearing the Lord. They're just, they don't matter. They're going to follow God whether they go through testings or they don't. They're thinking about Jesus. They're thinking about the Lord throughout the day. Remember, we just talked about our citizenship is where, guys? In heaven. We should be thinking about that from time to time. They speak to one another about the Lord. They're communing. They're fellowshipping with one another and say, man, isn't God great? I loved it when Brian shared that with me. That was awesome. God listens to their prayers. Did you, did you see that? They matter to him. His ears are attentive to him. I think my wife even said that. Didn't you say something like that? God's ears are attentive to the faithful. Attentive. Faithful followers have their thoughts and hearts fixed on Jesus, not on stuff and not on other people. You know, we encourage one another through hard times. We're not preoccupied with the blessings that non-Christians are having all of the time. And did you see how he says and how he refers to his people Israel? And I think we kind of get to take these words for ourselves too. He says that they are my people. They are my treasure. You and I, Gentiles, and most of us are, Romans 11 says we were grafted in to the people of Israel. That God looks at us and says that he looks at us with great favor. Listen to these verses that reinforce the scripture. Isaiah 62, 3 says this, You will also be be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of our God. Titus 2 says this, looking for the blessed hope in the appearing 
of the glory of our great God and Savior, Christ Jesus, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us for, from every lawless deed and purify for himself, what? A people for his own possession. Zealous for good deeds. And then First Peter, I love this verse. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wondrous light, wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you, were, you had not received mercy, but now you receive mercy. Being God's people and being his treasure should give you and I, listen to this, significance and security. We all want that, don't we? Significance and security. And what I'm trying to say here, guys, is you're the king's kids. Your father in heaven, he is your father. And that should give you great significance and great security. Security because he's going to take care of you. Significance because you know that you come, that a heavenly father in heaven looks down upon you and says, you are mine. That's significance. Don't ever let anybody say that you aren't significant. You are. Every one of you, and I know some of you have struggled deeply with this, but in God's eyes, you are a treasure to him. You are a treasure to him. The Lord promises in verse 18, he says, one day there'll be a distinction made between what? The faithful and the unfaithful. That's what he says. I will spare the faithful, but the other ones there will be great judgment that we put upon them. Luke 6, 38, and we're just about done here, says this, give and you will receive. Your gift will return to you, what? In full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and pouring out in your lap. The amount you give, notice, determine the amount you get back. That's what it does. I came, I think we got a little bit of time left. I came and I found this stuff, what it said about tithers, and it was really interesting. I was sharing some stuff, I think it was with, uh, with Brian, and it said this. Tithers are financially blessed. Okay, I don't think I have it up there. I probably should have put it up there. One in three tithers, listen to this, are debt-free. I'm debt-free. My kids are debt-free. Eight and ten tithers have no outstanding credit card debt. Wouldn't you like that? 77% of tithers give 11 to 20% consistently to the Lord. They, 70% of them give it on their gross. Remember we were talking about that, uh, how the Lord kind of started me on net and then I went into gross? 63% of tithers start tithing between childhood and the age of, or in their 20s. I started in my 20s. My kids started when they were about five. Whenever we start giving them money, we, we start saying, give 10% to the Lord, put 10 in your savings, and you get the 80 to use whatever you want. They thought it was a deal, you know? <laughs> but they're so blessed, and tithers come from all income brackets, all. Even those that don't have a lot, there's still some very, very faithful tithers. And listen to this, tithers make up only, and, and this blew my mind, about 10 to 25% of the church, 
10 to 25 percent of the church, but they provide 50 to 80 percent of the church's funding. And I'm not saying that to condemn you guys, okay? Know my heart on this, all right? As I said before, and we're ready to close up and pray, I want you guys to be blessed. I really do. And, and our Heavenly Father wants you blessed more than I want you blessed. But I want you blessed, though, too. I really do. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word, Lord. I love the truth in it, Lord. Your Bible says that the truth will set us free, Lord. Help us to fight that selfishness within our hearts, Lord. I've got it. I really do. We all have it, Lord. Help us to fight that. I pray for those that are being devoured that maybe tonight, just even as Brian just said, man, I'm going to trust God. Maybe tonight, maybe they just start by just saying, you know what? I'm going to start trusting you, Lord. I'm going to start giving. I'm going to start giving consistently. And just, I'm going to test you, Lord, and see what happens. Help us to remain faithful, Lord. Thank you that our names are written in the book of life. And help us, Lord God, never, never to neglect our relationship with you. Amen. 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 God bless you guys. Let's give them Jesus, man. They need it.